Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. I think I think the thing that's on our heart is just like the encouragement. I think that's yes, really, I think so. We really want to encourage you mm-hmm. because it's putting courage in. You know? Yeah, we're just chatting, and even have 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 been chatting with friends. Is that um, this idea of you know? Sometimes you feel like you're like a little extra, don't you? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you, especially if you're kind of involved. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just tickle me. <laughs> Uh, we <laughs> just, you know, especially if you're involved in church and in church leadership, and that's something you're passionate about, if, there, if you feel there's a call on your life, or there's assignment on your life, or a mandate for something, um, and it doesn't always mean like your full-time Christian work or anything. A professional like, Christian. Like a pro- professional Christian. But th- there's just times where you just feel, maybe I'm just a little too much for people until until um you know until you meet uh people who are the same who are like passionate with you about those things and it can be in any sphere it can be business it can be you know entrepreneur it can be around finance it could be anything but for our context is like fivefold and so you know So for uh, like prophets, for high high prophetic people, Ian's like, oh my goodness, you guys, they're you're, amazing. You're they're amazing, amazing yeah. and I love it. But you're so intense, like you're, you know, you have this uh, what's the word, <laughs> like thermo- a, a righteous thermometer, and and you're like, that isn't right, like that, you know, what people are saying, it doesn't line up with scripture. And for the prophets, like uh, justice and righteousness are so important. And um, I remember like a few months ago, we were at a friend's house. He's a prophet and he's incredible. He's in Chicago. And, you know, we're trying to have a normal conversation. We're trying to uh, pretend like we're normal. <laughs> How's your children? How's your wife? Oh, lovely house. And then in the middle of this conversation, he just stops and says, look, we, the Lord's just said, we, we're trying to have a conversation. We can't ever have a normal conversation because the Holy Spirit is always crashing in. And he'll, and he's like, this is what I feel the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I'm like, yes, I love prophets. I love it. Because they, they, they're my jam. They speak my language. They, they all. I feel a home when I'm around a tribe of prophets or highly prophetic people. It's like you're talking my language. Yes, you're intense. I'm not a crazy person. It's, um, and so, <laughs> so I think there's times, and I, you know, I was chatting with a friend this week, and she's like, "Why can't I just have a normal life? Why can't I just, you know?" Why can't we have a normal life? Why do I have to be, you know, in in situations all the time where it's, you know, whatever it is, right? And but it's it's because of the call that's on our lives. It's because of the 
the passion, the things that we're passionate about, that we're actually wired for, that the things we we can't help ourselves. It's like, um, you know, this is who we are. We are passionate about righteousness. We're passionate about truth. And, and we actually, it's important, like if God says something, then we do it. We align with it. It's not a big deal because if he says it, we do it. And, um, and that's how we live. That's how we live our lives. And the idea of having a nice, lovely, easy, comfortable life sounds amazing, but it would bore us all stupid if we're not actually walking in the thing that God has purposed for us. Uh, whether you're a prophet, whether you're part of, you know, feel called to the fivefold or whether you're whatever area you're in, I think this applies. Um, <laughs> but it's just not always easy. Um, and, and I think like, you know, this idea of the easy button uh, being removed uh, is is really the case where we all find ourselves right now. And for us, I think it's it's really important to own who God has created you to be, who he's made you to be, who lines up, who that we line up with his truth. Um, and we're in a crazy culture right now that uh, everything, you know, it's your truth. It's <laughs> like without going down this road of culture, which is a whole other debate. Um, but our lives have to line up with his truth and who he's called us to be. Um, otherwise we'll be deeply frustrated and and part if you're feeling like frustration on the inside if you're feeling like the tension of even frustration it could be that you have not found your people or you know it could be that it could be you haven't you're not fully walking in who he's called you to be you may even feel like there's compromise and I'm not talking about like moral compromising um, I'm, I'm talking about compromising your calling or, or what you're supposed to do. Like, I'm sure many of us know things that are on our hearts that we haven't actually stepped into. So, um, so we've been having some interesting and fun conversations, uh, this week with friends and, <laughs> you know, it's cause when things get tough and, you know, uh it's like can we can we just go back to egypt and you know i know we were slaves there but at least we knew who who our enemy was or at least we knew uh you know that whole saying better the devil you know <laughs> no but you know what i mean like the israelites kept looking back like can we just go back this is too hard this freedom is too hard yeah normal would be boring we'd be bored stupid um, and, and God is in transition. He's in the middle of it with us as we're in this place. Uh, so it's not easy, but it's we're on the right path. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> well, hopefully, yes. <laughs> and even if we're not, like the truth yeah. is, even if you're not yes. on the right path, I, I don't think God's a stickler. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I you know, I think he's been portrayed as a stickler, as a perfectionist and all that, but I don't think God is a stickler at all. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's a scripture, I think uh, Eugene Peterson translated, translates in Colossians, which is mm -hmm. how spacious is he? Yeah. Um, like, you know, it, it's in him, all the world can fit, you know, all mm -hmm. the universe can fit. He's a pretty spacious God. And I don't just think that means, you know, yeah. physical. I think it's, 
um, you know, he can he can tolerate us not being perfect. It's really that's very uh, great relief, a, actually. Good job. It, it is the notion that he knew what an idiot I was before he even called me. You know, and I don't believe I'm an idiot. Just to be clear, I, I think we need to get out of our way. And I I yeah. I, I really feel like I, I was I was reading Job. Uh, because everybody lo loves to spend a lot of time in the book of Job. <laughs> um, and, and I was just sort of reminded in our sort of time within within the vineyard movement and all this, there was that whole emphasis on that, though you slay me, mm -hmm. yet I'll trust you. Right? It, it's it's that whole piece of like, I, like no matter what this life is going to bring at me, I'm still going to trust you. My hope is still going to be in you because we're, what else would we do? Where else would we go? Um, and, and I'm not sure that's exactly what the Hebrew means, though you slay me. It could mean a whole bunch of different things, different translations translated, you know, one way and others another way and all that. But, but it is that kind of position of like, where, where would we go? Like, you know, <clears throat> You're going to eat my blood, and you're going to or you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and the crowds disappear. And Jesus, in one of these remarkable moments of vulnerability, says to Peter and the disciples, "Are, are you going to go to? Are you going to leave me as well?" And, and I don't think that was a gotcha moment. I don't think Jesus was doing the gotcha. Ha ha, gotcha. Well, are you going to leave me as well? I think he was actually being vulnerable as a as in his humanity. And Peter's response is like, I think our response is, okay, so this is hard. Yeah. Right? This is hard. Maybe it's not hard for you. Maybe it's just super exciting <laughs> and amazing and you're crushing it on every level. This is hard. But where would we go? Like, like where would we go? Would we go fishing? Would we just go back and everything that we've, we've decided that God has called us to do? And and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all in the same but that's what fellowship is all about. Do you know it was the first ever thing I remember yeah. you speaking on? Yeah. When, when I was like 15. <laughs> and Rachel spoke on the word fellowship because we were all fellows in the same boat. See? I don't remember that. That was only like 20 years ago or something. It was. So. It was only the other week. <laughs> um, but it is this sort of thing like we're, we're, and we're all kind of in the same boat, whether you're in the U.S. or Australia or the U U.K. or India or wherever it is. We're all actually in the same boat here wondering what on earth is heaven doing. Sorry, excuse me. What on earth is heaven doing? We were at church this, this morning and, you know, Borny was talking about moving from milk to meat. And it's something that we've been you know, aware of the thing about milk is that you just, there's a guy from New Zealand who spoke a, a sermon one time and it was, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit, um, it was, a little, it was tongue in cheek. Um, it was tongue in cheek, but he was talking about sort of feeding on the divine breast, you know, and really all babies have to do is just like position, open, position them. They don't even need to position them. They just need to be there and open their mouth and they get fed. That's what milk, that's how milk comes is that you just need to open your mouth. Mm -hmm. But with meat, you have to actually, you know, just like Peter, your eyes kill and eat. There is that Pete, that, that, that piece of it, that there's definitely a more um, active involvement. And, and I, I think it's been our, our thing.
partly walking away from it, walking away from a culture where entitlement is, is the thing. And are you getting your entitlements? And are you sure you're getting all your entitlements? And is the government looking after you well enough? Oh, in the UK. And within the UK, yeah. coming, coming yeah. from that. Are you getting all uh, your entitled to? Yeah, there are actually ads on television. Yeah. Where, like, are you getting what you're entitled to? Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that it's a great sort of safety net for people. But what it results in is a sort of very passive culture. It's a culture that just relies on yeah. someone, on all I have to do is open my mouth. Whereas I think we're moving into this place where God is actually breaking that sort of victim mindset. He's breaking the self-pity off people. He is breaking the, oh, woe is me, woe is me for I am, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. He's kind of like breaking that, the, the unhealthy pieces of that um off each of us and actually you know telling us that it's time to arise kill and eat mm -hmm. and whilst the vegetarians among us may not like that analogy please just filter it whatever way is least offensive to you um, arise pull up the roots arise yeah. <laughs> arise up. pick those bananas off the tree <laughs> and peel them yes. but my, my my point is not to get into some pc kind of thing my point is, I do think that God is breaking. You listen. You are not a victim. With with everything in my, I'm not saying that none of us have ever been victimized, but you are not a victim. We are 100% responsible for what we do from this point on. That the decisions we have made are 100% ours. And the good thing is, God took them into consideration when He called us for a purpose. When He set us aside for a purpose. He completely took into consideration everything that would happen in our lives. And it's our privilege. Like we have the privilege to respond in a way that is supremely righteous, which is just to say, yes, God, I wonder how much righteousness and this, this sense of calling for righteousness and the church to be more righteous. I wonder how much of it is just saying, yes, God, mm -hmm. yes. Like the righteousness is the yes is really the righteousness. Um, that he's looking for, you know, um, like, you know, it says the eyes of the Lord are searching about the earth looking for righteous. No, it's looking for a heart that is actually his, that is inclined towards him. So, so with that, with that shift from milk to, to meat, with that shift from just opening your mouth and getting fed to arising, mm -hmm. killing and eating, <clears throat> there, there is stuff to work out, mm -hmm. right? There's stuff to work out. Um, I don't know if babies don't trust their moms when they're feeding. You know, it's kind of like, but when you're having to go on a rise and kill and eat, then it's then there's all this trust that's involved and all of that. So, mm -hmm. well, I think it's um, responding to the hunger that's there, isn't it? You know, I think we are really responsible. I think we move from this honeymoon phase to actually being responsible for our hunger and for stirring up hunger, for stirring up, you know, like Paul's um, encouragement and exhortation was stir up the gift that God has actually put in you. Um, I think we do come through a honeymoon period where God seems to do everything for us. Every prayer is answered. And then we, as we're maturing, as we're growing as Christians, we realize, oh, oh 
yeah, I feel like I'm doing, you know, more work or and I'm not talking about working for your salvation, but I, I am talking about <coughs> the hunger that's in your heart is actually our responsibility to stir up hunger, to go after God, chase after God. And I know it's like this paradoxical thing where God is chasing us, he's pursuing us, he's loving us, but but there is something that we are responsible for, you know? And um, I was, we were just chatting about prayer and uh, that's something that's very dear to us. And, and I said, you know, like we don't work for our salvation and, and God is always ever near. He's really close. He's as close as our breath. That's the, the truth of who we are as Christians. Um, and yet I see time and time and time again, I see Jesus going to pray. I just see Jesus uh, he was able to do what he did because he spent time with the Father. He spent time in prayer. He continued to pursue righteousness and um, like cultivating this life with God. I see it in the saints. I see it in people I admire who they, they take time out to pray. They take time out to pursue God, to love on God and all that. And um, so I, I think, and I think that's especially for us, even in a revival, like our talk of revival culture, it's like, we're almost, it's like the UK thing, we're waiting something external to happen to us. Like, well, we're just waiting on God to move sovereignly. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna wait here until he does. Well, and, and yet you see time and time again uh, is that, we actually are moving, we're responsible, and God can move sovereignly and does move sovereignly, but we're actually, in the in-between, we are responsible to pursue him and to keep, to stay hungry. Um, it's really, really important that we feed ourselves hungry. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I, again, like, we, we drum this in to our Daniel company people that there's with, we have become so familiar and I would say overly familiar with Yahweh um, because, you know, we refer to him as daddy God, uh, which was never the point I think of Abba father, um, you know, what we call him daddy and Papa and all that. And listen, if that's your jam, have at it. God has probably spoken to you about it. I'm not judging you at all, but all I'm saying is I think that we're in the business of restoring another part of the relationship, which is the transcendent nature of Yahweh. Yeah. That he is the Lord high and lifted up. Um, that he is magnificent. That he is full of splendor. That there is no one like him. Like he has no rival. Even the names, even the names that he has, the Lord God Almighty. Mm. Um, so there, there's, you know, there's just all this, I think, that's restored. You know, we've got into this buddy thing. And I'm like, I'm shocked how many believers don't actually spend time with God every day. I'm shocked that we have done it in a way that, that and listen, I pastored for years. I led a church for years. I, I didn't pastor. Um, but I led a church for years and understanding how many people just do the sort of casual God's always with me. And I realized that the pendulum had to swing there uh, based on some of the legalism and all that that, we're, that we were coming out of. But 
um, the, uh, you know, it is the, um, what's the, what's the word? It is the transcendent nature of, uh, of God, you know, um, just, just, just the sort of transcend, just God restoring that transcendence, which only happens through, um, I think it only happens through, uh, spending time with them and spending a lot of time with them. Well, I, I think about people like, um, uh, Smith Wigglesworth and D.L. Moody, who, when the presence of God fell on them, they actually, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth, if you read his testimony, uh, was in a room and people came into the room for prayer and they actually crawled out of the room because they thought God was going to kill them. The presence of God was actually so weary uh, that they were going to die. And so, you know, they crawled out of the room and D.L. Moody had to actually say to God at one point when the Holy Spirit fell on him, I think it was in New York, on a street in New York or maybe Chicago, Chicago. maybe Chicago. And, um, and he had to say, God, stay your hand. Like, don't, don't uh, pour out anymore because I, I'm going to die. If you keep pouring out your presence on me, the weight of your glory will, will kill me. Um, and I think that's like, I want to see that I want to, I'd love to actually, well, how do I want to experience that? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, but I, I think that's the God we serve. It's, it's this amazing, uh, terrifying and yet unbelievably majestic King of Kings is yes. the one that we serve and this kind of buddy jesus i i think loses that uh majesty um yeah. so when we when we talk about like fearing god you know right it's not a an abusive I, father we're talking about it's majesty yeah. it's like it's really difficult to yeah. fear someone you're overly familiar with um you know, to have that sense of awe. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's impossible. I think that's what a good marriage does is manage to, manages to sort of keep the awe of the other person. And awe is certainly one part of it, but yeah, the, right, there right. is this bit that is just, yeah. I mean, scripture uses the word fear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I think we're okay being afraid of recession, <laughs> but we don't want to fear uh like god well that's 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 the wrong way around right the the right way around is that we should be fearing god and with that i mean like we should have a sincere um like be sincerely minded about who he is about who we are and what it is we're called to do like those three things like who he is, who we are, and what it is we're called to do. And we don't want to veer away from that. And again, I'm not talking about walking a tightrope. I'm not talking about any of that religious nonsense. I'm saying before he, before he called you, he knew who you were, right? The calling came with you, warts and all. But there is this part of it like we're fearing the wrong thing and that's something i think has been i'll try to be as kind as possible there is a battle going on and it doesn't have to be a battle 
There are two cultures happening probably everywhere on the planet at the minute. There is a culture that says we don't need God and God is not the authority for us, for our morals, our ethics, our gender, or whatever, that we are not saying God is God. Like I had this thing today. This, this is my phone and it's got a blue leather case. And within the, like, the, we, we, we would say, we have said, and the church has, has, uh, has, has been a collaborator on this. We have colluded with society and the, you know, the, the, the notion that, hey, this is blue. And do you know that what you see as blue is what I see as blue? And most of us would say no, because it's all subjective reality. Nonsense. It's not. Blue has been created and designed by a designer to look the same for each one of us with some people at the margins who may be the exceptions that prove the rule. But blue is blue, right? And what we have is we have it. We have we have been you know, colluded with society to say, hey, it's all relative. And you know what? My Jesus and my truth and all of that kind of nonsense when it's actually Yahweh. This is the restoration of Yahweh, of the yes. increase of his government and of peace. There shall be no end of your government and of your peace. I don't want a part of it. I'm sorry. I don't want to be part of it. I want his government and his peace. That's why the fivefold is important. It's how he ascended and gave gifts unto man from his place of ascension. No, you should believe this because look, what is a woman? Let me convince you what is a woman. Completely irrelevant because if you're rejecting Yahweh, then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We can be fighting for a society that is void, that denies the power within. And what we're really trying to do is we're really, really, really trying to keep Jesus on his throne. And Jesus doesn't need any help to be on his throne from any of us. Jesus is, in fact, God incarnate, seated on his throne right now. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. And it is our failure to govern that has caused us to be where, where we are because we're accepting a load of nonsense like accepting we're being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. It has got to stop. Listen, it has got to stop. We can't listen to the news broadcast without listening to the sound of heaven, what's coming from heaven. And heaven says, who? <laughs> yeah, come on. Preach. <laughs> come on, apostle. <laughs> you want to know what heaven says? Yes. Heaven's saying, brace yourself, because I am coming. Come on. Woo. Right? You you need to get ready, because, the, because God, the vengeance of the Lord, is going to be poured out against his enemies. And his enemies mostly aren't people, mm-hmm. apart from those that have actually, you know, given up themselves, and God has given mm-hmm. them up to, you know, giving their minds away and all that, but not get into that. But my, my, my point is we met, we have to make sure that we're fighting the right battles. We're not fighting a political battle. We are fighting a battle for who is king. And if we accept that the president is in fact the arbiter of everything ethical and moral, then Jesus isn't. There can't be two kings on the throne. Let me listen. I, I We're subjects of, of king... Charles of the minute King Charles the third, which is interestingly enough, you know, when Elizabeth was there, it's, an, it's the Elizabethan era, 
And when Charles is on the throne, it's the Carol Ian <laughs> era. So I'm going to take that as a prophetic statement. But listen, there can't be two kings yes. on a throne. There can't be Caesar and, and, and Yahweh. There can't be. There has only got to be one. And we have to make sure we're serving the right thing. And part of serving the right thing means that I'm actually not going to be afraid when the gates of hells are rattling. Listen, the gates of hell are rattling and we think it's all to do with all oh, the economy is going this. No, no, this is the gates of hell that are rattling at the minute. We have to celebrate the gates of hell rattling because we know that, that they will not prevail. They are simply yeah. not going to prevail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are, we are aware of the tension. We are aware of the exhaustion. We are aware of the battle around us and our job is to not is to see past it is to is to believe god is who he says he is that king jesus is in charge that the church is actually called to rise up in this hour to to be the ones with the most hope yes. to be the ones with no fear to be the ones who are moving in signs wonders and miracles that's what we're born for that's who we are that's who we belong to <coughs> and that's who god's called us to be that's the thing that's actually resonating in us is and the frustration that's in us because we actually want to see his kingdom come. We want to see it fully realized. Uh, and, and so part of that is like we have to stop entertaining another kingdom. Like we have to not do that. And we, we you know, God has continually promised uh, that he is is pouring out his glory that the the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth and and if we haven't seen it then we will see it and that's the promise that we hold on to you know um and i think we're all a little tired and so when you're tired you're a little bit more vulnerable to uh want to to just like stop and give up so we want to just encourage anyone who listens to this that if, if that's where you find yourself it's exhausting it's been exhausting it's been a battle it's been a fierce battle and you've been in the middle of it you've been in the middle of it with your health you've been in the middle of it with your finance you've been in the middle of it with your children you've been in the middle of it with the spirit of death has been at your door and we are here to say don't give up don't give up god has called us and promised us amazing things. Yes. And we will see the promises of God and the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yeah, this this is not the time to back down. For those of you that have, yeah. listen, you're not, we're not taking an offering just to be clear. <laughs> but for those of you that have backed down and you're giving, that needs to stop. Yes. You're listening to the wrong voices. For those of you that have mm -hmm. backed down, actually investing in who you're gonna mm -hmm. be at the end of this, Come you on. need to you need to stop stopping to invest in yourself and all that. You, yes. It needs to go in the opposite way. We need to respond not in the opposite spirit, but in actually the spirit of the one who has most hope, Come on. which is Jesus. There is no recession in heaven. Just want to tell you that. Yes. There is no recession in heaven. So, you know, as it is in heaven, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this. If you're giving to your, if you're giving to your church a stop, you need to wise up, wise up. Honestly, <laughs> I realize that that's not very nice, but you need to actually have some wisdom in your life and not fear. Like if you're backing off doing the thing that you know will actually prepare you for coming out of this, whether it's your health, your relationships, your destiny, your purposes, you need to wise up. Like I, I know, I know, I, I know, I, I. 
I feel the pressure of being in San Diego and having to be nice, man. But honestly, the kindest thing and the most helpful thing I can say to you is like, just don't, just don't do that, right? One of the scariest times, one of the scariest times is, and I'll tell you this from my experience, is when, is when you've been attacked by the enemy and you're calling for reinforcements and those reinforcements are maybe 20 minutes away, five minutes away, two minutes away. And it doesn't really matter because the, whether it's the two minutes or the 20 minutes that you're waiting, um, it feels like an eternity until the reinforcements arrive. That was what happened with Daniel. Daniel is calling for an answer to prayer and it was 21 days. It was 21 days that the enemy had delayed um, the answer that, that wasn't God. It was the enemy that yeah. delayed the answer. And sometimes when we're pressing in and we feel that it's been delayed, we think it's God. Please do not attribute the works of the enemy onto Yahweh. Yeah. That's awful. Let's not do that. Yeah. And realize that we actually are in a war and we're using real bullets. Yeah. Stand Love you guys. Don't back down. Please don't back down. Yeah, come on. Though you slay Get the me. the fight back in you. Though you slay me, yet yeah. I will hope in you. Though he you slay me, yet I will trust you, right? Don't mm. back down. Come on. He's worthy. I should sing a song. I won't back down. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. What is it? I won't back down. <laughs> I know, I, 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 know. I, was I, don't know. I, I was trying to, know. I was trying to think of the actual. <laughs> and it will. <laughs>